we're going to get into this morning. Um, this morning is one of the last character traits that we've been talking about for grit. Um, no, we are not finished fully, but this is the last character trait for what we've been talking about. And I believe God's really been moving. And what's crazy is for this one to be the last one is so important. Um, it's such a trait that it's not one that everybody, you just say that everybody just has this, somebody has it, somebody doesn't have it. It's one that you learn as you go along. This is a learned trait that anybody can learn and grab as they go. Um, and so we really want to get into it. And the story that God led us to was Job today. So if you want to turn with us in your Bibles to Job chapter one, we're going to open up and I'm pretty sure we will probably be bouncing around um, in it as well in the chapter, in the story of Job, um, because it's a powerful story. And you guys are probably thinking, why is it so powerful? It's probably depressing because um, <laughs> this man had a lot happen to him. But the problem of it is, is that as he went through, Job spoke to us on one character trait that is powerful. And that character trait today is called resilience. We're going to speak on resilience this, moment, this morning. So let's go ahead and get into it. Job chapter 1. It says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did this continually. Now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them, the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth? A blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is, your, is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when the sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said... The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and, servant and the servants and consumed them, and I alone escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck 
the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young people and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You ever felt like that in your life? Like in this story, like Job did at a moment, that when it says, and while he was yet speaking, this happened. And while he was yet speaking, something else happened. And while he was yet speaking, this happened. Oh, and wait, one more thing. While he was yet speaking, another thing happened. You ever have that? The car breaks down, the washer breaks down, the refrigerator goes out, the AC breaks, the hot water heater stops working, power goes out. Kids broke. Yep. Somebody gets hurt. Relationships, all these things that happen at one time. And what's crazy is Job had this character trait that he had in himself, which was called resilience. Resilience is the ability to mentally or emotionally cope with a crisis or to return to pre-crisis status quickly. Being resilient does not mean that people don't experience stress, emotional upheaval, and suffering. Some people equate resilience with mental toughness, but demonstrating resilience includes working through emotional pain and suffering. Resilience is working through it. Resilience doesn't mean that you become it. It means you work through it and out of it. And what's crazy about Job is Job had this quality that I can't tell you, I'm just being dead honest, if all that had happened, that at that moment, I'd want to sit down and go, well, God gave and God took away, so blessed be God's name. I I am not going to sit here and lie and say that I would be like Job at that moment and stop and want to immediately, immediately turn about face and worship God. That's tough. To know that all your children are dead, to know that all your belongings, all the things that you had, you ain't got no home, you went from broke, busted, disgusted, homeless, to having no family, no nothing, being lonely, all at the same time. Not like just in a moment of days, like breaking apart times or months, all at one moment. That's a mental breakdown waiting to happen. And Job in his heart and in his mind immediately went back to the original state. He went back to that state of, you know what? God gave and God took away. Blessed be God's name. And that doesn't mean that Job didn't struggle. If you read through this book, and we are not reading all 42 chapters for you today, can anybody say amen? Amen. Well, I promise we are not, but I can encourage you. You need to read it, but don't do it while you work out. I let it it read to me while I worked out over an hour, and I was like, this is the wrong kind of music. (laughs) Like over and over. I mean, it, it's a great story, but he has these conversations and it's just like, I didn't sin against God. And he's just questioning, he's just got these thoughts in his head, but he's saying them and you're trying to like, if you're really listening, trying to read this or let it read to you, whoo, it's a lot to take in about this one man and what has taken place with this one man. And 
I do encourage you to look, somehow yeah. figure out how to read this thing. Read it, listen to it, however you got to. No, it's crazy. It's a, it's a tough book. It's not one that you just go, okay, but it's very relatable. And what's crazy is as you read through it, I was thinking about this, about Job's friends. Job's friends at the very beginning when Job was struggling and he was really struggling and he went through a period of about seven days for a while of nothing. He didn't talk. He didn't do anything because what happened is in chapter two, the enemy comes to God again and says, well, you know, he's still praising you, but you haven't, you know, his body and everything that he is, is fine. He just mentally, but now physically. And what happens is he breaks out and boils and sores all over. It says he hurt to the bone. And he was hurting, and now he was like, I'm physically done, and I'm mentally done. And I'm done. And he sat, and his friends came and sat with him for a little while and were really quiet. And we've, and we've, we've had moments. I don't know if anybody else has feeling physically done and mentally done. Amen. Anybody else felt like that before? I'm telling you right now. It's like, I don't know if I can take one more thing. And I, I'm just going to sit back. Because I, I think if anything I do is going to be a problem. Anything I do is going to be destructive. I don't want to move. I don't want to <laughs> move. Something's going to break. Something's going to happen. Disconnect from everything. And, and you're right. The, these friends come. And, and they, they just sit down. They sit for a week. It says a week. They sat in the dirt. Because he started to, he had so many boils and stuff that he took a, a sharp rocks and was cutting them. Like cutting them he off. To scrape them he off. was popping them basically, it. trying to clean them and then pack them. And it said that these guys sat in the dirt and didn't say a word for a week. Why he was restless, saying stuff, just, just mad. And they not one word for one week. Well, and then Job gets frustrated and 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 talks to God. He begins. What's funny is Job instantly began to talk to God. Like, Job was quiet for those seven days as well. He didn't talk, and then he instantly begins to talk to God. Even in his frustrations, he starts to talk to God. Did you know it's okay to talk to God even when you're frustrated? Actually, it's probably smarter to do that than to anybody else. And what happened is Job begins to talk to God, and then his friends begin to kind of chime in. And at first, they're, they're really trying to encourage him at first. But all of a sudden, Job keeps going through, and he's suffering. And, he, and it says that Job still held his integrity. In this, he still did not sin from his mouth. Is that crazy? He was frustrated and told God his frustrations. But in the scripture, it says he still did not sin from his lips. And he still talks to God, and he's talking to God, and all of a sudden, his friends kind of go in a little bit deeper, and now they're concerned that maybe Job did something wrong. And they begin to start saying all this stuff to Job, and this banter begins to go back and forth. But what's crazy is every time Job was frustrated, instead of agreeing or going back to his friends, he went directly to God, instantly to God. And God asked me a question. He said, have you ever heard, um, you know, the, the phrase said, like, when you are got an idea or things like this, I need to bounce this off of you. I need to bounce something off of you. Because in the term resilience, resilience also means to stretch and then to be able to snap back, to snap back or bounce back to the original place. And have you ever heard that of, like, I just want to bounce some ideas off of you? And what's crazy is God wanted me to ask you, who are you bouncing off of? Who are you bouncing off of today? Spiritually, some people are just no good to bounce your frustrations off of. 
Some people are just no good. I don't care if they say they're your friends or not. Spiritually, it's no good to do it. It doesn't help you because let's be honest. If my friend was going through something like that at that moment, some of us would be like, that's terrible. And you deserve to feel like this and this and this and this and this. And and what would happen is sometimes instead of helping our friends out, we enable them because we are feeding into the spirit that wants to keep them there instead of help them. That doesn't mean that we don't help our friends or encourage them just like they sat there. And at first they were really encouraging to say, you know, Job, you gave us wisdom and you were patient. And so now be patient, you know, be patient with God. But what happens is sometimes we instead go to our friends and go to the people around us to bounce off. Did you realize Job never asked his friends to come sit with him? He didn't ask his friends to come to him. He didn't ask them to come be there. He didn't depend on them. Instantly, he turned around to God. I'm going to somewhere. Does this mean that you can't have friends? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. You can have friends. Have all the friends you want. Just make sure they're good for you and good for your spirit. But you can have friends. But when you really need God, do you bounce off of your friends before you bounce off of God? Where do you go first? What's your resilience come from? Where's it come from? Because if it says it's going back to its original state, if you were originally in a place with God and in your spirit, then you should instantly bounce back to him. But if you are in that place, what happens is if you're in a relationship only with your friends and your family and your work and your job, then you're going to bounce back to it instead of the father. Who are you bouncing off of today? If resilience returns us to our original state, then shouldn't it return us back to God? Job went right back to worship. At the very beginning, he went right back to worship. And as you go through, he goes right back to it in the end. Even from his frustrations, he continually goes to God. And I believe that this is what God desired with Adam and Eve. And God began to speak to me and he said, Adam and Eve, what happened is they were faced with a circumstance in the middle of the garden And what happened is when that circumstance got difficult for them, and it was nothing that Job faced at that minute, but when that circumstance got difficult for them, what did they do? They bounced their thoughts and questions off of the world instead of the father that they walked with every day. And so what happened was because they did not bounce back to the father and they bounced to the world, then the world they became... And it took them out of that original state of coming back to worship and coming back to God and coming back to the garden moment. See, you are meant to have garden moments. If you don't think so, look at Jesus Christ when he walked in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. He had a garden moment where he had to have resilience to bounce back to the father when he said, God, take this cup from me. But if it's not to do so, not let not my will be done, but yours. That's resilience. That's saying I'm willing to walk through the suffering and I know, God, that you're going to take me back to something that's greater than it's ever been before. I don't like where I am right now. I don't like how I feel right now. I'm in pain. I'm struggling, but I'm going to continually go to you because I know where my source comes from. I know who you are. I know where I am and whose I am. And even though my emotions and my mental ability and my physical ability may not line up with you, God, right now in the original state, I'm going to tell you what right now. God, I depend on you to bounce me back. 
of your cord. That's good. Just like that anchor. If God is the anchor on the other end, it doesn't matter how hard the wind pulls on your Come ship on. of your life. You're going to bounce back to the anchor. Come on. Who are you bouncing off of? Adam and Eve bounced off the enemy and it sent their world spiraling. And many times when we go through hard things in life, our world spirals out of control because we don't bounce our thoughts we don't bounce our frustrations. We don't bounce our concerns or our worries off of God. Does not the word say, in, in all things by prayer and petition, cast your cares upon the Lord? Upon the Lord. And yes, we were meant to carry one another's burdens in the sense of helping each other out and encouraging one another along. But the only one who can carry the load is Jesus Christ. Take my yoke upon you for my, my yoke is light. My burden is light. It's easy. And that's the point. I think that's why Job stuck out to me so big about resilience was because he went back to a garden state just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was struggling. And he did not want to take that cup at first. And it says he did not want to take it. If he did, he wouldn't have asked, God, can you let it pass from me? At that moment in his human form, he understood what it meant to be broken and to be hurting and to be struggling and physically and mentally feel like I can't take any more. But there's something in you when you have grit. There's something in your spirit when you have grit that there's just this resilience that begins to turn around that says, but the word of God says that I am strong. The word of God tells me who I am and I'm going to bounce my thoughts off of the father because that's the only way I can put it into captivity. And yeah, some of you may be looking at me and being like, so I can't talk to my friends. Well, if it's discouraging you and it's not leading you back to God, it's probably not a good idea. Because God is the one who takes you through. You get that source, that's who you're made. I'm telling you, when it said that original state, that original state, God wants to take you back to that moment of that first love. And sometimes it does take hard things. And resilience is brought a lot of times out of hard things. Because it why would we have resilience if it's so easy? We would just be stretchy and flexy and easy to go through and not have to worry about anything. But most of the time, when you go through something difficult, what does it do? It stretches you. It stretches you. And what happens is God begins to stretch you. And then what happens is he also anchors you. And then he realize, you realize that I can do this. I can make it. That's right. And you can bounce back to the Father. I believe when we begin to bounce our thoughts and our ideas and our days and the things off of God... First and foremost, that's how we keep our minds steady. And we will not spiral out of control like a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. This is important, guys. This is important. It's important to realize that God wants you to bounce back to where you were. And, and does he desire, this wasn't immediate. Job immediately at that moment did turn around immediately to God and worship God. Immediately, he went to the, his knees. He tore his clothes at that time and covered with ash and went and said, naked I've come. And isn't that funny just like that? Naked I came and naked I'll go out. That's that original state. 
but blessed be the name of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, Job begins to get discouraged in his own self because we get discouraged in our own selves. Our own thoughts like to control where we go. They do. But God even talked, Job talked to God even in his own frustrations. And he, him and God had moments. He, they had words. I think Job had more words than God did at that moment. And God let him have it. God, God let him have it. God let him talk all he wanted. God let him get all his junk out to him. But I think the best part about it was that encourages me right here is that even in my mess when I'm really struggling, God's okay if I talk to him. And he's okay to just listen to me. Yes, does he have the answer? And could he stop at a moment and instantly say, hey, there's no sense in this. I'm God. You know what I'm saying? Or do whatever. But no, he just listens and he cares and he takes it until he knows the moment's right for your heart to go, hey, you done? Now can we talk about it? I'm right here for you. And that's the point. God wants you to remember he's here. Resilience is bouncing back to the Father. Bounce back to the Father. Remember that. Bounce back to the Father. Turn back to the Father. Anytime you are faced with anything, ask yourself this question. Did I turn back to the Father? Or am I spiraling out of control? That's an encouragement to me. Because sometimes things in my life feel out of control. Because in reality, guess what? They are. They are out of my control. I don't control any of it. But he does. And if I remember that, then I will know that he holds my days and my answers. No matter what I'm facing, I can get through it. Job's own wife even looked at him and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Isn't it funny when your family members get on board? <laughs> it's, and what's crazy is she just flat told him, why don't you just curse God and be done with it, man? Die. You're going through hell. Well, I asked I ask her, I asked Jen, I said, isn't it funny that all her, the children died and all the cattle, but the wife that was right beside him didn't? It, yeah, <laughs> it is weird. He probably wished at that moment she would have. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. Come Why on don't now. you just die? That's yeah. <laughs> what yeah. he felt like saying. Yeah. So, I mean, that would have been flesh, but I'm just saying. So, in-laws. Anyway, so. Um, resilient. Able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. Able to recoil or spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. I was thinking about Job, and then I was thinking about the New, church, the, uh, New Testament church. They were going through some times where the religious elite were coming after them because they didn't like the preaching of Jesus because signs and wonders would follow and all this stuff was happening. They thought they had killed Jesus, but they didn't. Jesus began to dwell in his people, and now he's coming out in it. And so there's a... a part in Acts chapter 4 verse 29 through 31. I want to read it to you real quick. Christy will put it up there. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. I love that. Go ahead. Is that it? No, it wasn't. I gave you 31 too. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. 
At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. I started thinking about Job and everything that he had to go through, but then I started thinking about the New Testament church, which is us, and what they had to go through. They had to go through things where their faith was tested, where things were going to be pushed to the limit. Are you going to bow down to what they're saying, or are you going to stay planted and stretched by what God is doing in your life right now? When your roots are deep, it gives you the ability to stay planted in the truth when the storm comes. That's how Job was able to say what he said. He was planted deep in God, and so therefore when the storm came, and that's a pretty big storm, he loses everything in one moment except for the nagging wife that just tells him to curse God and die. And so he sits there in, in that moment and says, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. How do you do that? Well, I think James talked a little bit about it when he said, consider it all joy. In that moment, joy came upon Job even though he lost everything because when our roots are deep, no matter how strong the wind blows and no matter how much it tries to bend us, we still stand back up because of who God is and who we're planted in. Jesus was never bent under pressure even when the enemy came and tried to get him to bend. He was hungry. He was tired after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. But even when the enemy tried to get him to bend, he wouldn't do it. Even after the beating, even after carrying his own cross, he would not bend. I think sometimes we get pressured by the things that are going on in our lives to bend. My word to you is the only time you should ever bend is when you're bending on your knees to worship the one that created you. That was good. We bow to so many other things. We bow to our circumstances. And I even said that. Stop letting your circumstances and problems bend you. He doesn't bend you to break you. He bends you to change you. He is taking you from glory to glory, from dimension to dimension. Job was taken to a new dimension where he would walk in double instead of being content in where he was. Job was content in the process in which he was living. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's rooted deep enough that I know that even if you try to take everything away from him, he's not going to bend to you, he's going to bend to me. Does God have the confidence in you to look at the enemy and say, have you considered my servant Kavaris? Have you considered my servant Brandon? Have you considered my servant Rebecca? Have you considered, because I'm telling you, they're so deeply rooted in me that no matter what you do and no matter what you try to take away, they're going to bend towards me and bless me anyway. And there's going to be people that are going to come in their life that you're going to use because principalities use personalities. And they're going to come along and they're going to try to speak negative things in their life and try to redirect them away from God. And it's going to look like wisdom, but it's really not the wisdom of the kingdom. And so they're going to try to speak into their life and try to distract them from their purpose and what they're really supposed to do. And what's going to happen is, is the enemy is trying to distract them from living in double of what they lived in before. That's crazy. Is as crazy as how quiet people are. It, 
out of this, out of the whole world, he talks about Job. Have you considered just one guy? Like the way Job was like one of the wealthiest men on the earth. I mean, had, if you look at all that he had, one of the wealthiest men that like he was saying how there's people that are going to come into your life. If you read throughout the stories and if you, if, if you read throughout that whole deal, that it talks about how even the servants stayed away from him. Even the other people on the outside that knew that would always go to him because he was wealthy, but not only wealth, he was respected. And like they said, like, hold on, Job, you're the one that would take somebody that's broken and down and you would lift him up. And those servants would say, we get double for, we get to eat and have seconds. And all these people looked and said, okay, something's wrong. But instead of trying to help and pray, they stayed away or talked about him. In, in that moment. And, and he was just alone, of course, with those couple friends and the wife that would occasionally show up. And he had a, every, every single time that man was, he was, he was talking. He's like, I didn't send, I didn't know, you know, put me on the block and yeah. kept going back to Jesus every time. He kept referring it back, referring it back. Yeah. Well, I even think the problem with us is when we see somebody going through something, we automatically think what they do. What if it's just a moment where God said, have you considered my servant? I wrote this. Sometimes what you feel was taken away from you is only setting you up for what God is going to give you in the next dimension. And here's the crazy part. Even though Job felt alone, even though sometimes you feel alone in your mess and you feel alone like, oh, my God, there's nobody helping me through this process. Because I'm sure at times Job was like, my God, man, I'm sitting in this all by myself. I got sackcloth and ashes over me. I'm trying to fast. I'm trying to get through this thing. And I just feel all by myself. Hebrews 12.1. Man, I was sitting up in that mountain, and God just started hitting me with it. Put that up there for me. It's verse 12.1. As for us. We have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on the Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know if that shakes you, but that messes my life up. I got to read this to you. As for us, the way this breaks it down, as for us as we have all these great witnesses, I want, I want you to hear this. Martyrs. As we have all these great witnesses that are sitting in heaven watching us, who encircle or clothe us like clouds. I was sitting up in the mountain thinking about this, and God just began to speak to me. Sometimes in the struggle, we feel like we're alone, but what we don't understand is there's a cloud of witnesses up in heaven cheering us on down here. Am I wrong? 
I believe with everything I have within me that when God said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that he was already preparing the cloud of witnesses to cheer that man on. When you're in your struggle, when you're in your pain, when you're going through it, when you don't feel good enough, when you feel abandoned, when you feel rejected, understand all of heaven is erupting over you and saying you can make it, you can do it, you can win because we've already won. We already know this is real. He died on the cross for you. He paid the penalty for you. You don't have to struggle anymore. Understand that you can spring back right to where you bent from. Woo! There's a cloud of witnesses up there that are cheering you on today. And I thought about it, Miss Jackie, when I was talking to you out front, and I kept thinking about my grandma, and I didn't know why. I didn't know why I kept thinking about her, because she is in heaven as a cloud of witness going, come on, son, come on, son, keep running. There are people in heaven cheering over you today along with Jesus standing up there going, come on, you got this. My goodness. If you you really, really think about it, Job, all of the greats, and then about your family members that love the Lord and have passed on, they're still cheering you on. A cloud of witnesses. No, don't go down that road. No, don't do that. Don't pick up that. No, that discouragement's going to take you somewhere else. It's going to cause anxiety and depression. Don't go there. Don't grab that. Let's go. Bounce back. Bounce back. Bounce back. Resilience. I mean, that right there should shake you to your core. Just to know, one, you're not alone. Two, the the goal, the prize, the, the, the finish line was reached. They're all up there looking. Look, he's going to go. She's going. There there they go. They did it. Let's go. We're talking about bouncing back. I wrote this down. I was up here looking at the mountains. Resilience is not a trampoline where you're up, where you're down one moment and up the next. It's more like climbing a mountain without without a trail map. It takes time, strength. Help from people around you. You're likely to experience setbacks along the way, but eventually you'll reach the top and look back and see how far you've come. See, I was thinking about this with our culture and stuff and everything around us and how everything's just, I mean, it's just, we live in a fast-paced place, everything. In a culture full of suddenly, full of apps, full of quick fixes, full of fast full of the drive through everything so fast. I can leave here and go get my groceries or I can have it delivered. I can, everything so fast at my fingertips. The process of everything being so quick when you get in the life, you struggle with resilience because culture has got us so caught up in everything being so fast that people start to struggle with resilience. You have trouble having resilience because you think everything works like a laptop or a phone. Just touch it. It'll move for you. Just touch it. It'll work for you. Just touch it. It's just a click away. You can get there quick. And we struggle with resilience because we're so quick to touch, so quick to go, so quick that if the Internet's fast enough, we're so quick to let it do it for us. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. We were in the prayer room this morning, 
and God said that he's not a microwave that he can, you can put your leftovers in. And he said that leftovers are remnants and he doesn't put things in a microwave. And he said that we're so have a custom to do everything so quickly that even us, we have leftovers in our refrigerator. So the easiest thing to do is put it in the microwave and heat it up instead of having, and that's not saying you don't need a microwave. But what it's saying is that we don't know how to slow down and have resilience in our lives. Instead, the whole world is doing everything so quick, and the kingdom of God is completely opposite. They say, hurry. God said, wait. It's an upside down, and I just said this in the prayer room this morning. We look at the world upside down. We should look at that world upside down instead of the kingdom being upside down. We should look at the world that that is an upside down principle that's not ours. We should look at the kingdom of God that 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 is a right side up principle that we need to establish ourselves. Everything that's so quick in the world, we should not establish it. That's why we don't have resilience. Well, Mom, we struggle so much with this is a main factor in life as a Christian to have resilience. And it is the most struggle that anybody faces. We don't want to watch commercials because we want to get right to the point. We'll pay extra money just so we can grab the app and don't even, we can binge watch real quick and go right to the point. We can find out who did it at the end real quick instead of just sitting through, yeah, microwave. There's so much stuff. And I guarantee that generation when the microwave first came out, y'all thought it was satanic and it was going to cause cancer and it's going to do all this stuff because it's microwave, this and that. Y'all got them in your homes, whatever. It's a microwave. It wasn't a battle for me because I grew up with it in my house. But for other people, it wasn't a thing. But God doesn't use that leftovers of remnants to throw them in a microwave. Yeah. And I think the problem we face is too many times we don't even have, even in our, look look at our personal lives, how much we can get too busy and then not even take the time to do things. This all applies spiritually and physically. We can get so busy and not even want to. Do you realize right now that you could set a a deal on your phone right now and I could turn on my oven from my phone and cook a meal that is in, it is a refrigerator oven and it turns into an oven because we don't have to wait to cook or do anything. By the time I walk in, the house turns on, the lights turn on, the oven's already going, meal's almost done because we are so fast paced and the resilience is a cuss word. We don't, what, what the heck? What, what is that? Yeah. I don't know how to, how to bounce back. When, when I, I, I know how to click. I know how to figure things around and see, look, you try and try and try, and it doesn't work. And that becomes the problem because you think that some of the little, something so little is going to have a big return, and you have to have resilience. Life does not work like that. Some stuff takes time. Greatness takes time. It takes time to build your life. It takes time to build your character. It takes time to build your, your business. It takes time to build a brand. It takes so much time. You've got to prepare to get, I, I'll say it like this. You have to prepare yourself to get 100 no's before you get the one yes. That's resilience. That's resilience. Let me read a couple things to you real quick. His first book was rejected by 27 publishers, Dr. Seuss. 
being cut from the team, went home, locked himself in the room and cried. Michael Jordan. Wasn't able to speak until he was four years old. Then even at that, it was a struggle to speak. And his teacher said, you'll never amount to much. You're never going to do anything. Albert Einstein was demoted from her job as a news anchor. And they said over and over she was never fit for TV. Oprah Winfrey. Fired from the newspaper, lacking imagination, having no original ideas or thoughts. Walt Disney. 30 years old. Devastated and depressed. Removed from his company he started, Steve Jobs. Teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything, that he should go into a field where he might succeed with his own personality, that he's not going to make it in life. Thomas Edison, rejected by Decca Records Studios. You don't have a good sound. Nobody wants that sound. That sound's not going to work. You have no future in this business, the Beatles. His fiance died. He failed in business. He had a nervous breakdown and was defeated in eight elections. Abraham Lincoln. And the, the quote that comes with this, it says, if you've never failed, you've never tried anything new. These people, whether we talk about the Bible or our, our own personal resilient moments, don't give up. Don't, don't stop. Just because they said no a hundred times, you found a hundred ways not to do it. Do it a different way. But too many times because we are so consumed by everybody else's thoughts and by their opinions, we give up. And even if they might be friends and they're like, well, maybe. And then we believe it instead of knowing somewhere deep down inside, I have to have the resilience to bounce back. I got to keep getting in that lab. I got to keep getting in that studio. I got to keep writing that down. I got to keep going. I have to keep moving. But too many times we give up because it just doesn't fit. I'm thinking about different ones in the Bible and I was telling Jen about this one. Naaman would have, would have died of leprosy if he would only dip three times in the pool and didn't go back anymore. I've been in this muddy, dirty water, and I'm, I'm this kind of man. And I'm not, if, if he would not have dipped one, a few more times in that pool, he would have died. But he had resilience to jump back in that water and keep dipping. He didn't stop dipping. He kept dipping. The thing you need to win is resilience. See, people say, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. It's coming from the same mouth who clicks stuff and make it appear. Good. I've tried. Good. I've tried. I've tried to do that. I've tried to do, go that route. I've tried to do this kind of thing. And here's the reality. Life does not just click and it appears. Your situation just doesn't click and disappears. You have to have resilience to go through life and bounce back. And do the great things. You were talking about that one scripture. And the one that keeps just digging at me is, is the scripture that talks about abide in me and I'll abide in you. It says it like six or seven times throughout that one scripture. And the reality of that 
is that that's how resilience is going to work, is that you're intertwined with the roots into who he, if you abide in me and I in you. Just keep abiding in me and I'm going to keep abiding in you. And I'm, my roots are going to intertwine with yours so every time something happens, you're going to sway right back to, or you're going to snap right back up. You're going to keep going. Doesn't mean you're not going to sway like a palm tree and the roots go deep. You see trees out here when the storm's real bad and they just fall over, it's because the roots aren't deep. You see people that are struggling over things because their roots didn't go deep. Or they've uprooted themselves because they want to please themselves. So I'll go plant myself somewhere else. Only time you're going to transplant is when God transplants you into the garden, transplants you right by the river. You don't do that yourself. But when you abide in him and him in you, that is where the resilience is the core of. That's where it's at. Where do you get it? Who, like you said, who do you talk to? If my roots are just in, love him to death, but if my roots are only in him, it's not going to last. I can tell you everything. I can tell you all my stuff. And you might give me some wisdom, and then you might get mad and frustrated, just like if you read this story, those guys were over it. They found, it actually found where their core was. It actually found where their strength lied. They were mad, upset. Then they started acting a fool towards God. They just couldn't handle it anymore. But... Again, my roots have to be, I have to abide in him and him in me. And that is the only way you're going to have resilience. To do anything, this is one of the most important characteristics of grit is resilience to bounce back. Because you will get jacked up. You will be faced with stuff. You will have things happen, but you have to bounce back. Because the mission's still the same. God still wants to use you. He still wants you to do great things. And there's still people that need Jesus. And you're the only Jesus they see. They see. You have to continue. You have to learn to bounce back. When it don't feel like you should. Like, like she said, it's so powerful. Job immediately went to the Lord gives and take away. I'm going to worship you. Job immediately Adam and Eve, this blew my mind because Job's alive and there's people in the country. There's people all around. And Job could have went to any of those people and put all his troubles and stuff and started, God, did you hear what happened? Did you see what? I cannot believe. Do you know what I'm going through? Adam and Eve only had God and a talking snake. All they knew was God and they chose not to go to the only thing they knew. They went and hid and put fig leaves over their privates, which are thorny and causing them to cut themselves. Because we always try to find the answer on the outside instead of what's living on the inside. He was the only and, human being in a way with them. He but, said he created them in his image. But God spoke to me when you guys were talking about the microwave and all the different things like that. And... He said, resilience doesn't come from outsourcing, but insourcing. Yeah. You can't just outsource, get the presence of God from outsourcing. Mm. Resilience isn't built from everything that you've out, got from outsourcing from everybody else that's come in. Resilience comes from insourcing. That means you use what's deep on the inside. You use what comes in from inside of you. Well, babe, real quick before you finish that. That's why it's so important as culture changes. That's right. As, for real. I mean, I mean, think about how life has been in the last 30 years or whatever, and it's continuing to change and develop, that you don't get lost and caught up in all of that, 
that you can't have resilience because you're just a click away with thinking you can fix that yourself. Control, alt, delete yourself. You can't, you, you, you can't get so caught up where you think, I just can't do this because I just don't know how to, con you know, I, I, I used to be able to fix it like this. And you have to go back to the insert. You have to get back to who God is. Well, my lack of resilience shows my lack of abiding. Yeah. If I can't bounce back, then that means I've not been abiding in his presence. Because if my resilience comes from the insourcing, what's inside, then what's in me is going to come out of me. And that's what I'm going to draw into. And I thought about that as you were just saying that, that how many times have we been faced with things that are very difficult and we haven't bounced back to God? Yeah. And God began to speak to me and say, because you weren't abiding in me. See, I can know God, and I can talk to God every once in a while, but that doesn't mean I'm abiding in him. Because abiding means I'm living with him, and I'm dwelling with him, and I have my being and my every moment with him. And when I don't depend on him, for my everything, then I will depend on everything to fulfill me. And I think that that's what I, I didn't think I would ever say this, but in my heart, I would like to ask God, make me like Job. Not that I want to face everything that he faced, but when I face the struggles and the things in this world, if anybody I would want to be like, that would be him. I would want to know that I could go back to you. That I didn't run my mouth when I shouldn't have. I didn't go off and make a phone call before I got to my knees. I didn't go off and try to look up on Facebook what everybody else was saying about the struggle that I was going through or pick up messes. But that I went to God. Because he's where my provision comes from. He's my source. And because he's in me, I can insource on the very inside and pull that grit from the very depths of me to know that I can make it. That I can get through and make it and face. Tomorrow, I think of that old song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. When was the last time that you thought in yourself that just because God is alive and well in you that you can do it? So many times we become so dependent instead of interdependent on God. And what Job hit me so hardly about was that, yes, we do need each other to go along and build the kingdom and build the world. But my relationship personally with God and how I respond to the things that come my way are dependent on nobody but me and my relationship with him. And I think that sometimes in all the calamities that have gone on, we so hardly and so, try so hard to cause everybody else to fix it for us 
or find an answer to make it for us. In reality, we are not the answer for anybody. God is the answer. And that's what Job understood, that no matter what comes along my way, no matter what is happening, that nobody can fix this but God. Even if he brought it upon me, he's still the answer. He's still the way. He's still the truth. He's still the life. He still knows what he's doing. And he'll know what he's doing again and again because I cannot outsource and depend on everything else in me to make it through. I cannot do that. And God, he's the only source. He's the only foundation. He's the only way to make it through. He's the only way that we as remnants can be stitched together in the fullness of who we are is when we know that our source is Jesus Christ. And then we link arms hand in hand, realizing that we have a true armor and a true shield to build together because we aren't so dependent on that person next to us to hold us up and to make everything right for us. We're actually knowing that the power that keeps us together is the power of Jesus Christ. And when I link hands with my brothers and sisters that are around me, what happens is that power just increases in intensity. And that's why I believe that going back to the church in the New Testament is why it grew was because number one, they knew their source was in Jesus Christ. They weren't looking for each other to fix it. They were looking to God for the answer. They trusted in him even when all calamity and all hell was breaking loose. And then they went together in the power of the Holy Spirit and began to move. And that's our goal. And so I think sometimes you just got to realize that what's in you, what you have. What did you say at the beginning, babe? What you have is all you need. What you have in you is all you need. Let me read this real quick. James 1, and you said that. James 1, 2 through 4 in the message. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when you are tested and challenged. When it comes to you from all sides, consider it a sheer gift when it comes to you on all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of this prematurely. Here we are. Don't get out of it prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in anything. I think trials help us form us and shape us into what God wants us to be. And it said, don't come out prematurely. Let it do what it needs to do. See, sometimes we want to even hurry in the trials and tribulations. We want to hurry in all these things. Job didn't even hurry. He, didn't, he could have called anybody, Joshua. He was well known in that east place. He could have made a phone call to any of the kings, anybody, because he was very well known. No, he sat down in God. He sat down and abided in him. And he wasn't moved by anything else but that. The crazy thing is, we're very close. Um, I said it last week. All the enemy wants to do, all the enemy wants to do is separate you. That's all he wants to do. You've got to have resilience and jump back. Think about this. Job's having a conversation. The kids are doing their little party. Somebody walks in the door. Look at the very first thing that was taken from Job. Was his livestock. 
His livestock was his worship. How was he going to present to God a sacrifice? The enemy came and wanted to steal his worship. He started off, if I'm going to do something first, I'm going to take his worship first. All he wants to do is step, you were created to worship him. All he wants to do is take it from you. It says that the livestock were gone. People were killed. And the enemy, that's his job. You know why it's his job? Because he lost his own job. So it ticks him off when you get to worship and he don't. That's why it's so vital. That's why music has have a, the biggest battle on the planet. That's why it entertains and, and, it, and it consumes us, good or bad. It's like, if you can't worship, I'll use other forms of music to go ahead and just destroy everything. And I'll snatch your worship right out of you. Because Job, in the Old Testament, that's how they worshiped the king. They created a sacrifice and offered it to the Lord. You heard what he said. Every time they would have a get-together, he made a sacrifice on behalf of his kids just in case they might have sinned in the midst of their little party. I'm going to go on behalf of the, of the kids. And we're thankful that Christ died on the cross that if not, we would have a bloody mess up here. We're thankful he died so we can boldly, individually go before the throne. Yes, we intercede for our children, but they're going to have to answer to God themselves. But I'm telling you, all the enemy wants to do is take your worship instantly. Go ahead. I was thinking about that too. He also took away the carriers of his legacy, his children. Wow. That's such a powerful thought. Um, I want to bounce back to abiding because I think it's so powerful. Because I think that's the key to Job's life. Job had his foundation built upon the rock not the sand. That's why when the storm came, he wasn't shaken off of it. He stood firm. And yeah, did he have struggle? Yeah. Come on, let's be real. Who struggles sometimes? Take your struggles to God. The rest of you are liars. Anyway, so the reality is this, is that he abided in fellowship and in union with God and therefore had the ability to make it through the storm. Listen to this. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. I, for me, that's a powerful portion of scripture because he said, listen, if you separate yourself from me, two things are going to happen. One, you're not going to bear the fruit of the kingdom that I called you to bear. Two, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything you put your hand to. Nothing. You can't do anything apart from me. What if Job was separated from the Father? What if Job's foundation was built on the sand and there was no union? Listen, I got to say this because I was thinking about this earlier. A Sunday sermon does not bring union to you. It just doesn't. We get up here and we preach what God gives us so that you can take it home and study it for yourself Monday through Saturday so God begin, can begin to speak to you. I, I'm, I'm just being raw with you. We try to make union Sunday morning when union is what happens when you're not here on Sunday. 
It's what happens throughout the week when you're spending your time with God and doing your thing with God. That's where union is built. That's what, that was the difference between Job and some of us. Job had constant union with the Father when nobody else was around. That's why when all hell broke loose, he didn't have to go run to his friends and talk to them about what was going on. He went back to the one that created him, back to the one where he knew his foundation was strong, back to the one where he was in the vine. They ran to him. They came to him from afar. Yep. Whether they had a source in God or their source was found in Job. Yeah. They went to support, but we see what happens at the end of that story. God is trying to do something in you. He's not, listen, I'm going to quote one of my good friends, Jonathan Gannon. God is not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. Sometimes things feel like they're falling off and we're losing everything and we want to blame God for that when in reality God is allowing those things to fall apart because he's got something greater to put on you. That's why... That's why the witnesses, the cloud of witnesses in heaven are cheering you on because they're like, listen, stop looking at the circumstances and stop looking at what you lost. He's about to do something huge in you, man. He's about to give you something greater. Job could have focused on all that he lost, but when he focused on the one that created him, the Bible says in the end of the story that he had double of what he had before. Yeah, do, do the math. What, read verse chapter 1, see what all he had, and then times it. Double. He's the God of multiplication. You keep trying to serve a God, a God of addition. That's why you use the microwave all the time. Now God's trying to say, no, I need you to put that away, and I need you to get in the process, and I need you to trust me, and I need your roots to go deep. So when the storm comes, you don't bend the opposite way, but you bend towards me so that I can get something in you that's going to change the world and change the atmosphere and change the culture. We were never called to conform to the culture. We were called to change it. We change it through our relationship in the vine. Guys, stand up. Let's, yeah. let's, 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 we got to dig. This is your moment. Your moment. If you have disconnected from the vine, if you've disconnected from union, if you feel like your relationship needs to go deeper with God, not just on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week, God is trying to get something to you. If that's you this morning, and you feel that in your life, that I just need to abide in Him, and I haven't been. We're going to give you an opportunity while we worship to just come on forward and kneel down before the Lord. Listen, you don't need us to pray over you. Yeah, you don't need us to pray over you. You just need to get along with Him and just talk to the one that created you. Come on, here we go.